Meredi Football Podcast back at it again after months of rest and technical problems. It's good to be back. What's going on, Stefan? I'm good, man. I'm glad that we're having this conversation. You know, I almost feel like we start becoming, we start being friends. You know, I thought you had like forgotten about me. I don't get no messages from you. I don't get no complaints about football transfers. Nothing. You just disappeared from my life. I'm getting my mind focused and meditating for what failure awaits me in November and December when England <laughs> embarks on a I mean, journey. I've been, I've been see, I've been seeing all the videos on Instagram, the kickboxing, the the, the regular boxing, everything. I know you're going hard in the gym, physically preparing. I just hope you're mentally preparing as well. I'm also going hard in the kitchen as well. So there's <laughs> the balance in this heat. I understand. I understand. Anyway, Stefan, good to catch up with you at the start of the season and get this moving. When you look forward to the season, we've had many transfers, so let us track back before we go forward. Which players have stood out to you, good and bad? Good and bad. No uh, players. I mean, I feel like it might be a bit too early to go into the bad, but, you know, there's been some interesting moves. One of the moves that... I didn't necessarily think would happen, but I was calling for it to happen from for a while now. One of my favorite players in in the Premier League, Zinchenko, moved to Arsenal. I think that was a great pickup by them, tactically and technically. I think he raises the level of the club. Um, huge fan of him. I think he slotted in perfectly right away. Big upgrade for them at left back. Uh, other interesting moves. Obviously, we have to talk about Gabriel Jesus and. And Haaland, you know, Jesus decided that it was time for him to leave Manchester City and go be the focal point to another club. He started well as as most of us expected to and his replacement. Man City finally have decided to go the route of getting, quote-unquote, a traditional number nine. I personally don't really think he's a traditional number nine. I think he's capable of uh, mixing into the Pep ideology. I think he's capable of linking play. I think he's capable of getting on the ball. Although I think he's had a very interesting start to his Man City career. You know, there was hits against him from the Community Shield. And the next week he scored two against West Ham. He's the best player in the world. Man City have won the Premier League already. And then a week later, eight passes against, uh, who was the team they played again? Eight passes against Bournemouth. Comprehensive win. He got an assist. But I think there's some interesting um, things to view there. My whole thing about Haaland despite the fact that I've been saying he is capable of playing for that Man City team, I'm very worried about him Lukaku-ing um, that team. But we shall see. And then one that stood out for me outside of the Premier League was Lewandowski. I think it was a very weird move. Like, I've really liked the Barcelona's transactions over the summer for the most part, but I would like it more if they didn't sign Lewandowski. So I think it's such a big amount of money to spend on a 34-year-old forward who's going to go into a new league, a new system. It's the type of signing you make when you're aiming to win something. And I don't think Barcelona are good enough to win something. But yeah, those are just a couple of the ones that kind of stood out for me. Piggyback, piggybacking off of what you said, you know, you talk about left-backs in Fenko and you talk about a striker in Jesus for Arsenal. I give Arsenal a ton of credit. Not only did they buy starters, they bought starters that was better than who they are replacing. And that's what I always want. The teams tend to make lateral buys, players to compete. Know that they clearly went out and got two players who are clearly better than the players that they're replacing. You look at Zinchenko, of course, he's a, he's a very good football player. 
I've never really been a tot. I find many left backs and right backs similar. You have to look so deeply to notice the difference. So I don't want to spend much time on him. Jesus was extremely interesting because remember going into this going into this move, you're listening to different reports from out to South America. Jesus seems to have had a confidence problem uh, playing up front. Many people were saying since the World Cup 2018, where he was went in there with form, left it, couldn't, didn't score a goal. And it's almost as if he just felt more comfortable coming off the wing. Yeah. And they were talking about his mental state that actually the Brazilian national team coach wants him to play up front, but he says, actually, I'd rather play off the wing than move him there. But now he's back in a central position. And the first two games, he looks extremely confident. Um, we saw for Manchester City him playing a role for Manchester City coming off of the wing for the past few years, um, half of, more than half of his time. So that's going to be interesting what happens when his confidence dips because that's what's going to happen uh, as it relates to Arsenal going forward. You mentioned Lewandowski. Interesting move for Lewandowski because, as I say, you know, he's going to a new league. Defence is going to be different. Style of play is completely different. But I respect the challenge that he's making. And when it comes to Barcelona, you know, their financial issues that they, are, they have to use wizardry to solve. And I'm quite, happy that, <laughs> I'm quite happy that they're doing it because they seem to be going in the right direction after years of transitioning backwards. Uh, the Frankie de Jong situation is quite in curious, I should say, because one minute he's going to United, next minute he's staying. Uh, what do you think is going to happen? Do you think he's just going to stay, wait it out? It's interesting. Um, a month ago, I would have said, yeah, definitely he's going to go to, to Manchester United, re- regardless of all the talk around it. I mean, he's, co- he's come out many a time and said, I want to stay at Barcelona. Um, he said more than a few times in his inter- in his career, before even this summer, he said his dream was always to play for Barcelona. I remember reading an interview with him a couple of years ago, where right, right after he moved to Barcelona, where he basically said, the trajectory he had planned for his career, he called it the Overmars path where he played at Ajax, he jumped to Arsenal, and then he jumped to Barcelona. That was his his goal. But the Barcelona move came early, said he couldn't turn it down. So that's always been his goal. He's always maintained that Barcelona is the pinnacle of his footballing aspirations, so he doesn't want to leave. But the fact that Manchester United have been on the case for the entirety of the summer, despite, despite him publicly saying he wants to stay at Barcelona, it must mean that they have some indication behind the scenes that he is willing to join Bar- join Manchester United if he has to leave Barcelona. At this point in time, I think Barcelona want to keep him as well, but the financial situation, the wizardry that they have to um, do to register their players, to maintain um, positive um, balance sheets, whatever it, it is, it does kind of put them in a position where they might have to sacrifice certain players. Frankie de Jong is probably the most financially viable player who will bring them in a certain amount of cash. So, obviously, there's rumours about him leaving. But, as I said, a month ago, I would have said he's he's likely to join Manchester United. Right now, I actually think he'll stay at Barcelona. I think what they'll end up doing is um, jettisoning a couple other players, Memphis Dubai, um, Young. So, right now, I'm leaning towards him staying in Barcelona. Not hearing you, David. You there? I'm saying 
uh, I'm saying, do you really think Manchester City would sell them Bernardo Silva? Oh, you you chipped out there for a bit. Um, do I think Manchester City would sell Bernardo Silva? I think yes and no. I don't think they want to. 100% they don't want to. But Man City have kind of always maintained if it comes to the point where the player is adamant that he wants to leave, they've pretty much allowed those players to leave. Bernardo Silva might be one of the few that they've actually... I won't say forced, but convinced to stay. Because if you remember last summer, he wanted to leave last summer as well. There's lots of talk about him going to Atletico Madrid. They managed to keep him. He was very good for the, for the majority of the season. They won the title. But it's clear that his dream is to go and play in La Liga. If Barcelona can put up the money, I wouldn't be surprised to see him leave. But I think it would be a, a pretty peculiar footballing decision from Manchester to allow him to leave. Because their, their squad is pretty thin. I, I just gonna see that they, they got lucky because Gundogan, from all indications, at the start of the summer was going to leave, but that did, yeah. that didn't that fell through clearly because he's been starting. Uh, so I, I just don't see that happening. And you're going to, and Kevin De Bruyne is a year older. I remember I, I had predicted last year that I felt like Manchester City wanted to move on from Kevin De Bruyne, but Kevin De Bruyne went to another level last yeah. year, and he looks <laughs> to be on that level again. So, uh, so you know, they're going to ride with Kevin De Bruyne. I tell you, Kevin De Bruyne was a player a few years ago that I was highly critical. No, I, I just don't know if there's any player on earth better than him. I'm ready to argue that case. Well, and yeah, I just don't know if anybody's better than him. He's just playing football on another planet right now. I still haven't gotten over that Manchester City choked out that game against Real Madrid. Still, still, still <laughs> half, half that. Uh, Real Madrid ended up winning the Champions League. When you look at EPL, t- EPL superstar teams, um, you think of the top six, for example. Chelsea has had a bad summer. They haven't been able to really get the players that they want to get, right? Uh, mm-hmm. I know that they want to also get Frankie de Jong because you mentioned, we've been mentioning Manchester United for him. Chelsea's also in for him. Do you yeah. think that this is a Roman Abramovich effect? Roman leaving because before Chelsea would be able to hijack deals and get them done. What do you think is the problem why Chelsea has been unable to hijack the deals that they want to get done? Um, there might be some truth to the fact that the new administration in charge of the club um, doesn't know 100% what they're doing. But I think at the end of the day, what's really stopped them from getting players that they really wanted, the Kundes, the Rafinhas, etc. I think at the end of the day, the players just wanted to go to different teams. They've had preferences. They would have gone to Chelsea, but Chelsea was probably option two versus option one being Barcelona, for example. So I, I, they've gotten some good players, actually. I don't think their window's been that bad. I think Koulibaly, Kukarella, and Sterling are, are a great foundation for any team. But yeah, at the end of the day, I don't think it's anything more than the players just had their preference. They wanted to play in Spain. They wanted to play for Barcelona. At the end of the day, Barcelona is still Barcelona. It's a top draw. Um, most most players, especially the type of players they're going for, those South Americans, those flair players, etc., they're going to want to play for a Barcelona over a Chelsea. When you you just mentioned their window, they lost the loss of Werner, they lost Lukaku. Uh, well, lo- is loss the right lo- word? <laughs> I don't yeah, loss in terms of I really thought they should have given Lukaku one more season. Mm-hmm. Uh it, it seemed to have been uh, I don't I don't I don't agree getting rid of a player one season into it. You know, I've always okay. said better to sell early than to sell late. But I, I, I can understand with Verno, 
Uh, I just don't understand with Lukaku. I felt like they could have given him one more year uh, and see if he could, especially with Sterling coming there, a different type of player that they have in the in the forward line. I, I figured that could have been an interesting forward line that Chelsea didn't have last year to be, be even more dangerous than they are this year. Uh, so that was a that was a bit. That's why I would say loss. Werner isn't a loss. It just didn't work out for. It yeah. just didn't work out for him. It just it just didn't work out. <laughs> it was It's going to be the one to watch because he left Manchester City to go back home to London, and it did feel towards the end of last season. This time, Manchester City has up his style of play. What Manchester City were going for, they just didn't seem to be blending. And Sterling, for all of his improvements over the years. Just does miss a lot of chances. <laughs> he does, and yeah. That seems to have been taking its toll. You look at you look at Chelsea's central midfield over the weekend again. Conte gets hurt. You know, I'm not the biggest Conte fan or whatever. He was playing really well in the first half. Yeah, not he so was. Good in the second half and gets hurt. Uh, Joe Gallagher, I'm sorry, I just don't see it. I know people like he, he looks like a type of player that should be at Crystal Palace. Nah, yeah. that's his angle. When I see him running on, there are certain players when he just seemed bigger and more influential on Crystal Palace. When he came on over the weekend against Tottenham, I was like, "Who is this fan that's running on?" The- <laughs> <laughs> did he win a like? Did he win a raffle? Like yeah. he just didn't look like he belonged. Like everything about him. And then people say he's a worker. I'm like you need to bring some ability. Like they're all workers to be yeah. at the top. But you have to be a worker. So mm-hmm. I, did, I didn't see that. Um, Georgina is getting up there in age. So I, I really feel like Chelsea will make that push. You mentioned Manchester United. Their start of the season has been legendary. Like, legendary. Oh, my gosh. It's legendary. <laughs> it's, it's, it's historic. It's been historic so far. <laughs> yeah. But oh, my gosh. They're making, they're making moves to try and better their squad. Um, they bought in Rabiot to try and help them. And I, I gather there's news today that they're, they're going after another player. His name slips me at the moment. Uh, Cunha from Atletico Madrid. Yeah, so they're trying to make some some changes. Clearly, um, the, the the squad they they keep. When I think of Manchester United and these signings, it just seems that they keep trying to 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 treat the same injury with just wrapping tape around it. Just you broke and just keep wrapping tape around it. And yeah. eventually that tape is going to be so and then eventually tape comes up, just keep wrapping tape on it. Uh so I don't I don't I don't really know, but I do think that Manchester United have to get the young in, whether it is they have to pay more, they, they're gonna have to get that in because I feel like that is a mood changer. Uh, I remember I mentioned to you about Arsenal buying players that can completely not just lateral movements, not just better than the player that was there, but much better. Like these are yeah. in Jesus and Jusenka, they are a level above. That makes the whole team mood change. And that's that's what's gonna be. Yeah, but I think for in the case of Manchester United, they, they don't need one player who's better, they need several players who's better. Manchester United, and I've been saying for a couple of years that the three worst run clubs in football were Barcelona, Manchester United, and Arsenal. And I think Arsenal turned the corner a little bit sooner than both. I think Barcelona are trying to correct a lot of nonsense and probably um, criminal activity that they did in the past. Uh, But Manchester United, they just don't look like they have a solid plan. 
like the it started from January when they brought in Rangnick and I said all right this is interesting but by the end of the season we we could say that they wasted six months he was supposed to stay on in an advisory role he's gone they've started over from scratch and they're for the most part they really have not backed um Eric Ten Hag with any kind of reinforcements I remember towards the end of last season and you remind me on the weekend but I said Christian Eriksen would be a good signing for Manchester United. I remember you said 100% that's a rubbish move. When I was saying it, I thought he would be a good player to have in the rotation. He is not a player who I thought when the first two games of the season were played, he would have played false nine and DLP. That's not what I thought would be, would be sensible for him. So really and truly, Manchester United just looks shambolic. And if things continue, I feel like we're probably going to be talking about Manchester United a lot on this podcast, which is really sad because we talked about them a lot last year as well. It's Ericsson was done at Tottenham, went to Italy and was done, had a heart injury. I just didn't see the point. I think people fall in love with narratives, as I've always said, and people fall in love with history. They remember Ericsson as a talented football player, and I think that's what's going to be going forward. But enough of Ericsson. I think the main problem with Manchester United is simple. Jaden Sancho is garbage. Rashford is just not good. And until that is solved, nothing is going to change. Like Jaden Sancho looks like a championship lower tier football player. Yeah. Like he looks like complete and utter garbage. I remember like, when he was he... I remember when he was in um, the Bundesliga and he used to come to the England camps. You were one of the people that said he kind of worried you because he didn't have that extra gear that a Ribéry yeah. had or a Robin had. You said that he looked good for the most part, but you're worried about that extra gear. He's not super technical when it comes to beating players. He's not rapid when it comes to... In, in, in any regard, he's not rapid. And then there's also the fact that he's always kind of had a little weight issue as well. Despite the fact he's small, he seems to put on and take off weight quite frequently. So he's a very interesting player. But for me, I think but Manchester United has bought another player that they have no real plan to make work. Similar to Pogba, I think he's been thrown into a situation where um, the attacking unit is not set up in a way that you're going to get the best out of Sancho. What are they trying to get him to do? Do they want him to go down the line, cross the ball in? If that's the case, you shouldn't have bought him because that's not the type of player he is. But yeah, Rashford, this, Sancho, they're, they're all, they all look like they should be playing for, another, for other teams. This reminds me of when Sean Rangway Phillips went to Chelsea. Uh, I, I like Jaden Sanchez's ability. He, he has ability, and I want him to be good. Like I, 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 you know, I was trying to drink the Kool Aid. I was, oh, maybe he can be the English Messi. Like maybe not as good, but being <laughs> level. Like get up there. Like maybe I'm not seeing, but I, I did have hesitations. But you know, I said, hey, maybe I'm wrong. He's young. He's gonna grow into his body. He's gonna get quicker. He's also not like Eden Hazard, for example, that is super technical, that can yeah. use different, um, different ball touches to open up spaces. So this is a problem. It, it's, it's, really, it's really a problem for Manchester United. Rashford, I don't, I don't know. I really played He's a bit not- better over the weekend, but unless he can figure out a way to score. I, I've said this for years with Rashford. Rashford is never going to be what you want him to be, playing in that wide position. Yeah. Should have been developed as a nine all these years. Yeah, I agree with you there, and I and I always agree with you there. But I think the case of Rashford, uh, 
he just seems like a player that would benefit from the separation from Manchester United. I think there's way too much expectation placed on him to be something that he either is not or reach a, a certain level of quality that he cannot. And I said from the in the last year, I'm like, you know what, at this point in time, it might be best for him to just say, you know what, time for me to go try something else somewhere, somewhere else. But it just seems like the weight of playing for Manchester United. And here's the thing, I... I I genuinely believe Marcus Rashford wants to be successful for Manchester United. He clearly has a love for the club, the area, etc. But it just seems like there's so much pressure on him to succeed and it's weighing him down. I genuinely believe that I want to solve world peace, but it's just <laughs> not going to happen. It's just not going to happen. Yeah. Uh, but I've given Jaden Sancho this year. The, the last thing that uh, we mentioned, Jaden Sancho's weight issues during COVID, the thing that, that I watched about him and I was a bit worrisome was during COVID, he got fat. And that yeah. told me that the lack of professionalism there, like the best football players, if what I want him to be, they're not going to get fat during COVID. Yes. Yeah. They're going to find ways to stay fit. But anyway, we'll see. Manchester United is making some transition. I do believe they're going to get some results soon. Uh, they have Liverpool coming up, which is good news because Liverpool also haven't had a, haven't had a win. Uh, so yeah. that'll be interesting. Well, and Liverpool star signing Nunes got a red card. So lastly, on Liverpool, um, to wrap up this podcast, you said before the season that you felt like Manchester City's forward line got worse. Liverpool's forward line got better. Liverpool obviously moving on from Mane. Um, mm. Manchester City moving on from Sterling and Jesus, bringing in Haaland. So, yes. I want you to explain why is Liverpool's forward line going to be better versus Manchester City getting worse? All right. One, we need to preface this. When I said that, I didn't necessarily mean exponentially better or exponentially worse. I just thought that in the case of Manchester City, you know, they lost Ferran Torres in the middle of last season or they sold Ferran Torres, for lack of better phrasing. Um, they ended up losing... Raheem Sterling and Gabriel Jesus. And I think collectively, despite the fact that they've brought in Haaland, who I think is going to be a success for them, I think there's going to be some growing pains right now. And I could foresee the implementation and the throwing of a traditional number nine, again, quote unquote, as possibly taking away something from the free-flowing attacking football that we've seen from Man City over the last couple of years. So I expect them to be a little bit worse just by the virtue of having to acclimatize to new things. The reason I said I think Liverpool's attack have gotten a little bit better is on the flip side, they added um, Luis Diaz in the middle of January last year, in the middle of the season last year. I think he's a quality player. I think he has the potential to get to what Mane was and get and possibly be better. Who knows? But I think he's talented enough to get to that. Yes, they lost Mane, who's been an integral part for them. I have never been one to side that on the Mane is better than Salah, Salah or Mane is more important than Salah or Mane is suffering because Salah is selfish. I think all of that is nonsense. I think Salah is clearly the better player. Man and Liverpool are right to give him the money and not Mane the money, whatever happened there. And I think Darwin Nunes, I've said it from, from day one, I do not think he's the type of player that Liverpool have brought in right now to be the be-all and end-all of their season. I don't expect him to be the first-choice centre-forward. I know he played today, but that was because Firmino was injured. I think they're bringing him to acclimatise 
Liverpool, Man City, they've done this before. They've they've signed big players where and they gradually bring them into the mall. I think he's a different kind of centre forward for them. Definitely different because they've used traditionally used the uh, either a false nine in Firmino or um, rotational players with Ojato, Mane, etc. So I think whereas Man City have t- taken a lot away, Liverpool have taken only one component away and have a little bit more cohesiveness to their units. So I think that's why I have them as slightly better while I have City as slightly worse. As the season progresses, both of these things are likely to change though. All of that, just to wrap it up, what I will say to you when I first saw it, I said, it, if Haaland is what they tell me he is, <laughs> top five player in the world, then Manchester City's forward line should be better. Yeah, if but he's he not a top. Is, yeah, but is yeah. he a top five player in the world? No, let's be real. Yeah, if if he is what they tell me he is, then that's what it's going to be. That's what's going to be. Well, we're off to wrap up. Lastly, Chelsea, Tottenham, we saw the fireworks. Quickly, my thoughts, and then wrap up with you. I thought Chelsea looked really, really good. But once again, you talk about Kobali being a good sign. If that was Harry Maguire, I'm just pointing it out. All the blame would have been come. Once again, <laughs> Chelsea will have deficiency when they go to a back four, um, which they try to do a hybrid back three, back four, with Ruben Loftus-Cheek coming off the right. Shout out to Ruben Loftus-Cheek, who played very well. Yeah. Um, they're going to have issues. They're going to have lapses. They're going to be spaces. But no one will point it out because, again, none of them play for the England national team. Tottenham, again, when it comes to Kante, it's simple. You could watch every single Tottenham away tape against any good team. They're going to look like what we saw on the weekend. But it's yeah. good that they have Richarlison. They have a player who, for a 20-minute burst, can come on and change the way how a team thinks and how a team's going to defend against them. Um, yeah, I'm for sure. Chelsea, thought they looked good. thought Tottenham looked poor. Um, and if I'm a Chelsea fan, I wouldn't too worry too much. Yeah, I said before the game, I actually have been ta- uh, since you stopped talking to me about football, I had to find some other friends to talk about football with, and they invited me onto their um, little YouTube channel last week. And I said in that in, in that um, iteration that I thought that game would tell us more about Spurs than it would tell us about Chelsea. And from what what I take from that after you no know, having seen that game is that Spurs are not as good as people are making them out to be. I saw a lot of people saying if there's one team that can maybe push from the doldrums of third to challenge Liverpool and City for the title will be Spurs. It's not going to be Spurs. Um, Spurs, they have a solid team. They'll be in there for for top four for sure. I have them as favourites for top four over Arsenal. But yeah, they're they're not as good as people want to make them seem. Um, Never been a big fan of Conte's football, uh, but that that attacking front line, there's something there, especially now that they have Richarlison, so that's going to keep them in the running. But outside of that, I thought Chelsea looked good as well. Thought Tuchel did some interesting things tactically with Loftus Cheek coming off of the wing back spot. Um, once they went back one one, he quickly made a substitution and got James back out to the right wing. He scored a goal, so clearly he was he had a feel for the game that I think Conte lacked. But at the end of the day, if you don't put away your chances, you're always likely to concede. And yeah, that's what happened. Yeah, both teams. Chelsea look like a team that should finish in the top four. We'll be able to grind grind out enough. Will Kai and Sterling score enough goals to make them compete with Liverpool and City? Yeah. No. I don't think so. No, definitely All not. All right, that's fine. We got to wrap up now. Um, 
been an interesting summer. Look forward to talking to you again. All right, peace.